Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. You were once a prisoner, held captive by fear, by prejudice, by sin, anger, addiction. But here's the thing, that prison no longer exists. Those walls have been torn down. What once held you captive now lays in ruins. You have been set free, redeemed, renewed, and God continues creating by bringing your soul to life. Where there was a prison, there is now a playground. Where there was despair, we find a wellspring of joy. Where there was death, we are given life. Christ has set us free. So live in that freedom. Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Find your joy and set it free. For you are a prisoner no longer. Let's let's dive into the scripture, uh, Luke chapter four. We're gonna read verses 14 through 21. And it reads like this, and you can see it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I'm reading from the the Passion Translation, um, and it reads like this. Then Jesus, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, returned to Galilee. Uh, Just so you understand a little bit, um, this is after after Jesus had been taken into the wilderness and tempted for 40 days and nights by Jesus. uh, and, you know, overcame all the temptation that was set before him by the devil, Satan himself. And um, the Bible says in verse 14, after all this stuff, Jesus returned armed with the Holy Spirit's power. I, I just want to stop there for a minute and let you know that temptation, no matter how hard it is, come on somebody, the temptation you go through is... It may be there to try and defeat you, but even if you have a hard time you're going through, you can come out on the other side armed with the Holy Spirit's power. Amen. You got to know who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what you go through. You know that you're going to come out on the other side still armed with the Holy Spirit's power. And, and the truth is, and the reality is, we could look at the scriptures of where Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness, and we could say, oh, my God, it was restraint, and he never did, got to do anything fun. And some of us do that. You know, it's the Christian life. I don't get to do anything fun. But let me tell you something. It may look like restraint, but on the other side of restraint is the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, Jesus returns 
uh, armed with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and his fame spread throughout the region, which means everybody started talking, Jesus is back. He back. Oh, my God. He done went through, and he done got tempted, and he overcame, and he's back in the, in the region. He taught in the synagogues, and they glorified him. When he came to Nazareth, uh, when he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, uh, when he went into the synagogue, as he always did on the Sabbath, when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found where it is written, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. After he, after he read this, he rolled the scroll up, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everybody stared at Jesus, wondered what he was about to say. Then he added, listen to this, he added, today, somebody say today, these scriptures came true in front of you. Today. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. Today, I pray that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. A message. I mean, amen. <laughs> a message. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Don't y'all come for me. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I have uh, titled this message today, Wild Again. Somebody say, Wild Again. This series, Young, Wild, and Free, is set on the topic of the presence of God. Uh, last week, we discussed mainly the idea of how we are to respond to the presence of God. We, uh, we looked into the Old Testament where David had brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel after it had been taken um, and lost in battle, and, and then it was returned by the Philistines. They took it, and then they returned it because, you know, Jesus, the Bible says that the, the Spirit of God started attacking the Philistines because they had the ark, and they weren't supposed to have it. Come on. And we saw uh, much of the struggle uh, that was associated with that return because of how, um, because, how they handled the ark. We saw the, 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 the struggle associated because how much of it the ark, which represented the presence of God, was being mishandled, right? Um, there are a lot of churches, I'm just going to be real with you, there are a lot of churches that are mishandling the presence of God today. Amen. And they were mishandling, and, and, and we discussed, uh, as we looked into that struggle, we discussed and learned that through us' death, that we are uh, to never restrict God's presence under the precepts of good intentions. And a lot of people do that. A lot of us do that with good intentions. We want to tell people not to, to do this or not to do that or, you know, don't take all that. Come on. You're too charismatic. You're screaming too much. You get on my nerves, you know. Act like a normal person. <laughs> and we get annoyed with folk, you know, that worship different from us. So we begin to judge them 
And a lot of times we don't do it out of, out of a nefarious way. We do it out of good intentions because we think, oh, we just want the best for you. We don't want you to look crazy in front of everybody. You get what I mean? David, we don't want you dancing around, you know, in, acting like you, you ain't acting like the king that you are. But see, because, uh, and we, we talked about, we, 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 can, we should never restrict God's presence or working in our life under the precepts of good intentions. Even with good intentions, if we try to control or to constrict a move of God, it could cost us everything. Amen. Uh, Uzzah was a prime example. The Bible says that the ark started rocking violently and Uzzah decided, I'm going to put my hand on it to steady it. Fear, whatever he may fear, like it will fall, it will break, whatever it may be. But he put his hand on it. When he put his hand on the Bible, said he, he was struck dead. Why? Because good intentions, uh, trying to control the presence of God under good intentions will always render you lifeless. It's the truth. And we don't recognize that. And, and a lot of times we do that. A lot of churches do that. Furthermore, we learn that even in those moments where we fear God's presence, which brings blessings and favor, uh, we, we learn that we should still posture ourselves in learning and preparation so that we can uh, facilitate a move of God in our life. All right? Somebody say facilitate. Say it like you mean it. Facilitate. We can facilitate a move of God in our lives, which means uh, facilitating a move and controlling is two different things. Somebody say facilitate. facilitate. To facilitate, it means to make easy, easier, to uh, help to bring about, to unclog or to remove the barriers that stop something from flowing. Many of us have spent time and energy trying to control a move of God instead of just removing barriers so his presence can flow. Amen. Oh, y'all ain't with me today. I'm telling you, I'm about to get in. We're about to go in. Y'all better get ready. Because a lot of us have spent so much time, well, I just, you know, God's got to move this way, and, and if he speaks to me, I'll do this. But what if you just remove your barriers? What if you just move your labels? What if we remove our denominations and our thought patterns and how we feel like God should move? And maybe he can't do all that. Maybe he can't heal. Maybe we don't need to be loud in church. Don't raise your hand. Don't do all. What if we remove the labels and the barriers and we say, God, flow how you want to flow. Do what you want to do. How do you want to move in my life? I am open and ready and willing for you to do whatever you want to do. Not my will. Jesus demonstrated, not my will, but your will. Listen, he, he even brought his will to God. He said, listen, I want you to take this cup for me. If it's in your will, God, please take this cup for me. I can't handle this, but nevertheless, somebody said, nevertheless. Not my will, but your will. 
Not how I feel about it, but whatever you want to do. Not how I feel you should move. Not how I feel the word should come to me. Not how I feel you should confirm it. But God, I am, uh, I am ready and willing for you to do whatever you want to do. I am waiting and I'm listening and I will remove and unclog and remove barriers so your presence can move in my life so I can be ready and prepare for when you come and do what you do. And many of us have spent time and energy trying to control, which means to exercise restraining or direct influence over a move of God in our life. Instead of facilitating, instead of preparing a place where God's presence can flow freely, we've tried to exercise restraining. Because see, listen, when we begin to actually buy into the idea that we are to remove the barriers so God can move, he begins to go wherever we don't want him to go most of the time. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? See, when you try to control everything, you're like, well, God, I'm going to shut that door. Don't. Present. Oh, no, not that one. Don't touch that, God. Let me have that one. You can come over here and deal with this because I don't really like this issue anyway. And God's like, Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Remove the barriers so I can go wherever I want to go. Let me deal with whatever I want to deal with. Let me flow in your life freely. And we talked about this. I, told, I told you last week, it's not my job to, 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 to change you. That's between you and God. But you got to learn how to facilitate a move of God in your life. Facilitate, remove the barriers. Remove and unclog the things that are restraining God's presence moving in your life. David, David demonstrated this for us. He spent three months, somebody said three months, preparing to get the ark back. And he was fearful the entire time. He was scared, but he was still preparing. Fearful, but still making himself ready for what God was going to do. I don't know how it's going to turn out. God, I don't know if we're going to go get this ark and everybody going to die who touches. I don't know what's going to But I'm still going to prepare myself. Amen. Oh, can I just stop there for a moment? I, listen, I know we're rehashing what, what we talked about last week, but that's good because some of us, listen, God has given you a word. Huh? But your fear has driven you to sit and, and take no action. But can I declare to you today that even though it might be a scary thing, you need to be in preparation mode. Hello? Why? Because it, when, when God's presence begins to flow... You want it to go where it need to go. I don't want no barriers. Lord, do what you do. Facilitate the move. Be ready. Hallelujah. We also discussed that the presence of God is to be carried and celebrated. And how many of us need to be set free from the idea that we shouldn't celebrate a move of God? David also demonstrated this to us by how he danced like a wild man in the streets. 
when the ark was returning, and he told us very clearly, listen, in the scripture, he told us very clearly that his celebration was connected to the idea of grace. Meaning, he was celebrating because he knew he didn't deserve all that he was given. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, still decided to bless him. And David, a king, out there dancing in priestly garments, took off his robes, took off his kingly robes, took off all these things that we, we hold so dear. And a lot of us come to church and, and different places, we hold our titles so dear, we hold our wealth so dear, we hold our status in the community so dear, we got to look a certain way. I don't want to do all this. I don't want to look crazy. I don't want nobody capture me on the camera with my hands up. Come on. We'll be in church like this. Pastor like, yo, put your hands up. You got the camera out? <laughs> but David said, listen, I'll lay all that aside because I don't deserve any of this. God chose me. Oh, he told, he told uh, homegirl, he said, he chose me over your daddy and my whole family. <laughs> I don't deserve this. None of it. Not one moment of the good life that I have is deserving but God still gave it to me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to celebrate his presence because I know I don't deserve this. But I know I can try and celebrate and let him know in some form or fashion that he's worthy. Amen. So honestly, our, our, our response to God's presence or move of God is a key ingredient in the lives that we live. Our response to God's presence should be born out of a place of humility. Amen? To demonstrate to the world around us that God is a good, good father. But today, furthering in our teaching in this series, I want to dive deeper into a deeper understanding of the presence of God as it relates to Jesus and the purpose of the presence of God. Amen? I want to dive into that understanding. So let's unpack this for a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, I think it's vital to understand this one thing. Very, very clear. Do y'all mind? I'm going to get into a little bit of I'm just going to teach for a minute. Y'all ready? Can, can we do this? Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Let me know that you're here. All right. Don't fall asleep. I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> just kidding. But first and foremost, I think, it's, I think it's, it's vital to understand that Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Say aloud, Jesus. Jesus. Is the manifest presence of God. Okay. What am I saying? Jesus is the literal, physical representation of God's presence. Jesus is a physical manifestation of God's presence. Are y'all catching that? 
Say that with me. Say, Jesus is a physical manifestation of God's presence. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original in intent, restored to innocence again. It's important to recognize that Jesus is the manifest presence of God. I also wrote this down, that it is important to recognize and remember that every move of God, since we understand that Jesus is the, 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 the manifest presence of God, every move of God, every presence, every encounter with the presence of God should point us or should unveil the working of Christ in our life. And it should point us to the work of the cross. So what I'm saying is every moment we encounter the presence of God, it should always point us to Jesus and the work of the cross. Amen? Are y'all tracking with me? Because I get people all the time saying, well, well, how do I know I'm experiencing the presence of God? Best friend, I need to know how I'm experiencing I need to know you tell me, Pastor. Well, let me tell you, how do you know if you're experiencing the move of God? The question you need to ask is, does it point to Jesus? Hello? Does it point to Jesus or does it point to you? Does it point to Jesus or does it point to your struggle? I'm tired of us, you know, uh, always singing these worship songs where we just begging and begging and begging. Oh, God. <laughs> and Jesus is like, I, I gave you the freedom that you need. What, what are we doing? You know? I, I don't negate that we need to talk about the struggle, but if we are going to have an encounter with Jesus, it shouldn't point to our struggle. It should point to our Savior. Amen. So does it point to Jesus? Does it point to the freedom found in Christ? Does it point to the safety found in Christ? Does it point to the unconditional love found in Christ? Does it point to security that's found in Christ? Does it point to the grace and mercy found in Christ? Does it point to the acceptance found in Christ? If the move of God that we are experiencing is self-serving, self-seeking, pumps us up in pride, makes us rigid and dismissive of those struggling with sin, positions us to sit in the seats of judgment if it, versus the seat of humility and grace, makes us think about our righteousness instead of his righteousness, then I will be at, at, uh, bold enough to tell you that it is not a move of God. I don't care how loud it gets. I don't care how many tears you cry. I don't care how, much how many tongues you speak in and how many thousands of people prophesy in the room. If it is not pointing to Jesus, it's not a move of God. Now, I know some of y'all will come to me, oh my God, 
My dad didn't know. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Can I speak some truth to you? Because we need to hear this in the church nowadays. Amen. We need some truth. We need to bring back the truth to the pulpit because we so wanted, you know, not to disturb our tithers. So we stand up and we say things like, well, in order to be pleasing to God, you need to get rid of all these sin issues. How? Show me that in Scripture. Oh, no, nah, oh, I'm finna ruffle some feathers. Can I, can I do that for a minute, Prevail? Show me, show me in Scripture where it says, I need to get rid of my sin issues to be pleasing to God. No, what it says is I need to bring my sin issues to God so he makes me pleasing to him. Why? Because he takes my brokenness and my, my guilt and my shame and he replaces it with his righteousness. Because God can only be pleased with himself. Oh, oh whoo, we don't want to hear that. He can't be pleased with it. I don't care how righteous you think you are, how much stuff you do. Amen. Right? Okay, how much good you do, boo-boo? He can never be pleased with your righteousness. He's always going to be pleased with his righteousness. So if it doesn't point to God, it's not a move of God. Every moment we encounter the presence of God, it should always point us to Jesus and the work of the cross. So knowing that the manifest presence of God is Jesus Christ, we can better understand the purpose of the presence of God. Now that we know who it is, right, we can understand its purpose. I know that this is a mic, so I understand its purpose. If I grab this and I go, oh, it's a hammer, I'm going to mishandle and potentially tear it up. Why? Because I have given it, first of all, a wrong name. And when I mislabeled it, I gave it a wrong purpose. What am I getting to? For many of us, we think the presence of God is that feeling we get. Ooh, I feel God's presence. No, it's a person. It's Jesus. We, we get the understanding and we get grounded in the truth that the presence of God is Jesus. We will stop mishandling God's work in our life. Amen. Ooh, that's some good right there. That's some good. So, what is the purpose of the presence of God? Well, Jesus was so kind to us to let us know what his purpose was right here in Luke. Now, there's plenty of scripture where he goes on and he talks about what he's called to do, but in this room, you have to understand what happens here. In the synagogue, they would all, they, you know, they, they would, there'd be some men, they'd come together and they, you know, start talking about the Bible and then they would always invite a guest to stand up and read the scroll. 
And I'm, you know, that day Jesus was pretty much the guest. So he stands up and Jesus says, you know, they hand him his Isaiah scroll and he starts reading. And he reads and he says, you know, that's English. Restore the hope, good news, blah, blah, blah. Hands it back, sits down. And when, see, the way these things work, when they would be in the synagogue, the person would give it back and then everybody would see it and just kind of stare like, what are you going to say next? You know? And so they're looking at Jesus, wondering, what are you about to say about Isaiah's scroll? And Jesus says, <laughs> very simple, today this has come true in front of you. He looks at them and says, we don't need to guess anymore. I'm here. Oh, Isaiah, you wondered what that scripture was about? It was about me. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if Jesus was a little petty, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just been like, yo, all these things y'all been reading all these years. It's about me. He didn't do that, but anyway. But he let us know, he kind of let us peer into what the purpose of the presence of God is. First of all, it's this. Restore hope through good news. Somebody say restore hope through good news. I have come and I have said this many times and many times over and I will keep saying it. But at Prevail, I don't have bad news. I don't have time to give you bad news. I don't have fake news. I don't have almost real news. I don't have whatever kind of news. Amen. In this church, I'm not here to talk about liberal news or conservative news or middle of the road news. I am only here to discuss one thing and that's the good news. Somebody say good news. What is the good news? The good news is that we didn't deserve the work of the cross. We didn't deserve it, but God still gave it to us. Jesus died on the cross for us. We were broken. We were sick. We were against. The Bible says that we were enemies of God. We were at odds with God. We didn't deserve it, but Jesus laid his life down for each and every one of us. That is good news. I don't have sad news. I'm not here to talk about your struggle and what we've gone through. I know that we all go through and I know that we're facing issues and I know that we got struggles and I know we got sin issues. I know we got all that stuff. But I'm here to tell you we got a Savior who gave his life for us. That's the good news. Somebody say good news. I don't have bad news. I don't have bad news. I'm here to let you know that you can smile every single day. You can celebrate every single day. No matter what you are facing, what you're going through, what may come your way, what people say about you, how people feel about you, none of that matters. Why? Because the good news is you are fully accepted through the work of the cross. That's the good news. And the Bible says that he, 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 he was... Uh, Restoring hope through good news. What you have to understand is the context of the scripture and the people here. There were poor people. There were people struggling. And they lost hope. And how many of you know that when you are, when you are going through a physical battle, when you are having 
physical limitations where it's lack of money. I don't know about y'all, but we done been broke before. Somebody say broke, they broke. And when you go through that, you lose a little hope. Amen? You lose hope. You lose things. And you start to wonder, is God really for me? Or you, you need all your wives, what's going on? What's happening? How do, and, and, and when you lose hope, you have to remember that cross, he died on the cross for me. I may lose it all, but God is still good. He's still worthy of my praise because he doesn't accept me by what I can bring to him. He accept me because he loves me. Somebody say restore hope through good news. This next thing is he restores, the presence of God is to restore the broken hearted through healing. Somebody say broken hearted. I was looking up this word broken hearted because I wanted to really understand what it, what it means. When we talk about being broken hearted, you know, a lot of us like, oh, well, I was broken hearted. And, you know, because we talk, when we think about broken hearted, a lot of times we think about the terms, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me in high school. <laughs> I'm sad. But the, the word broken hearted, I'm going to try to pronounce it, but it's like sutribo. It means this, it means to crush completely. Crush completely. To shatter, break into pieces. Broken into shivers or bruised. That is a, that is a much more real definition when you really begin to put, because I don't know about you, but if you've ever walked through anything that shatters you, it becomes really difficult to ever believe that God loves you. And Jesus says, my presence, my representation, why I am here, the presence of the Lord, that one of the purposes of the presence of the Lord is to as the word is healing, healing means to make whole again. Listen, it's to bring your broken pieces back together in a state where you are whole again. Can, can I just say something? Listen to me, hear me. God's presence will never put you back together 95%. He will always make you whole again. Well, somebody, well, I'm just going to be missing that little piece of me for the rest of my life. That is not biblical. He will always make you whole again. The presence of the, God, the Lord is to bring all your pieces back, all your brokenness, all your shatteredness, all of these things. When you said there's no hope, I'll never see the light of day again, I'll never love again, God says, no, I'm going to bring it all back together and make you whole. In the presence of the Lord, we have the ability and the opportunity to be made whole again. Somebody say whole. 
God doesn't want you walking around broken. And many of us have been broken and we've been destroyed by relationships, friendships, church, hurt. Ooh, that's a big one. And we come to church and we worship and we're broken and we're, we're shattered and we won't admit to nobody and we won't let the presence of God seek. We, we, we keep trying to control the presence of God instead of facilitating the move. And so God can't get into that door, get behind that door hurt and he cannot make you whole again because we keep on blocking him from going there. Instead of, and, and instead of unclogging and removing barriers, we're like, we're so guarded and we come to church. And many of us are like that because we've been hurt time after at the time, at the time, at the time again. And it's so easy to block. It's, it's so much more comforting to block and set up barriers than to remove those barriers and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen if you touch that part, but I'm, I'm ready. I don't know how bad I'm going to ugly cry and how many people are going to look at me and I might have snot running down my nose and out my beard, but God, I'm ready. I wonder what will happen if we get to that part where we say, God, I'm removing the barrier so you can mend my broken heart. You can put me back together again. I am shattered. Some of us, we just gotta, some of us gotta get to the point where we just admit, I am shattered, I am broken, I am cast out, I have been hurt and, 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 and abused and, and, and messed up. And, and some of us just need to get free and just stand in the presence of God and say, I, this is me, Lord. It would do some of us good to have a real conversation with God. Some of you watching online, you've been following me for years. Some of you just need to have a real conversation. You need to stand and say, God, I hate church. I hate church people. I don't ever want to go, but I know I need you. Because that's where most of us stand. Amen. Religious folk get on my nerve. <laughs> But I need you, Lord. So I need you to help me with this. The presence of God comes to re uh, restore liberation to those who are captive. Somebody say restore liberation to those who are captive or conquered. This is dealing with the captive. The captive is a prisoner. Somebody say a prisoner. The person who is enslaved or dominated. What does it mean? What, is, what, what am I saying? The presence of God is to hear de to deliver a person who is literally chained, who is locked in, who cannot get out. He was, he was, he was actually talking to slaves here. I'm here to set slaves. This is a liberation. This is true, true. Can I? No, never mind. Maybe I, maybe I should say it. This is where we find the, the socialist Jesus. I'm like, that's in game for a minute. <laughs> People are like, oh my God. No, he didn't just ain't no Jesus socialist. He wants to bring liberation to those who are captive, who are bound, who are literally chained to the issue. 
I can't change. I don't know how to break free. I am literally chained to my issue. Are you catching this? He wants to bring freedom to those who are captive. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are enslaved and you are locked in a cycle and you cannot break it and you don't know how to break it, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the presence of God is what you need. Lord, I don't know how to let this go. I don't know how to change this. I don't know how to, uh, to, to, to remove this. I don't know how to go here or, or, or get over this. I, I don't know what to do. I keep struggling with the same thing. Invite God's presence to that area of your life. One of his purposes is to break you free of the chains that are holding you. Amen? Next thing is this. Restore sight to those who are blind. Somebody say restore sight to those who are blind. Restore sight to those who are blind. He wants to restore sight to those who are blind. Which means God wants to replace vision. The presence of God is to come and bring clarity and bring vision to those who are, listen to this, to restore sight to those who are blind. The word blind here is not that there's an absolute darkness. It means that your vision is clouded. Somebody say clouded. What is your vision clouded with? Many of us, it's not that we are going to, that we don't know where we're going. It's just unclear. Because we got so many things going on. So many aspects of life. And our vision is clouded. It's hazy. I don't really know if that's what God wants. I don't really know because we haven't stopped to let the presence of God bring clarity. Bring sight to the areas of our life where we are blind where it is hazy and it is clouded and you don't, you get what I'm saying? Some of us need to stop. You need to, uh, can I, can I just, can I encourage you for a moment? This week, you need to just stop, raise your hand and say, God, I don't know what to do, but your presence is all I need. That's all I need. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to follow your presence. I'm going to follow your lead. If you are there, I want to be there. If you're not there, I don't want a part of it. Hello? Well, I'm trying to figure out if I should still be friends with this person. God, why don't you just talk to him, you know? When you're around that person, do you feel the presence of God? <laughs> Most of us are like, no, nah, I don't feel the presence of God with 95% of people up around. <laughs> yeah, well, then you might want to talk about that. Restore sight to those who are blind. Next thing is this, restore freedom to those who are oppressed. Somebody say freedom to those who are oppressed. What's the difference between this one and restoring liberation to those who are captive? The captive person is a, it's a physical manifestation, it's a physical captive. I cannot break free from this. Amen? 
But how many of you know most of us are not physically bound, we're mentally bound? So when the Bible talks about restoring freedom to those who are oppressed, it's talking about breaking the authority that has you bound in your life that's not under God's authority. It's literally saying God wants to remove the things, the master that's enslaving you. Many of us, again, we're not trapped in cycles. But we'll never go after the things of God because our mind is oppressed and is broken. And we always believe that somebody's out to get us or hey, I'm a, I, if I try, I'm going to fail. Uh, it may not work out for me. And, and, and so we, we back up. and That is oppression. That is when your master becomes the deciding factor of your life. Instead of the will of God, the presence of God. And he says, my presence, the purpose of me being here is to break off the chains, not only on your life, the physical chains, but the chains that are attached to your mind. The things that burden you, that make you feel heavy. Adverse conditions, troubles, anxiety. He is here for all of it. Jesus said, I don't want to just deal with the things that we see. Oh, church. Because we do that all the time in the church. Well, we change your outside actions, but you are still anxious and you are still struggling with depression and different things. And Jesus is here not to make you feel guilty, but to set us all free. Not just from our physical, visible issues, but the things that we bury deep that we don't want people to know about. The thoughts, the thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of giving up, the thoughts of, of just quitting on life altogether. God is here to set us free. Somebody set us free. Somebody say it. Set us free. I've walked through that in my entire, I've walked through that in my life. The presence of God was what I needed in those moments when, when I wanted to take my own life and I wanted to end it at all because God wanted to remind me. His presence came and reminded me, I am here with you, Fred. I'm walking through this with you. You are not alone. Yes, your father ain't around, but you are not fatherless. I am your dad. Amen. You are not alone. You're never alone. I have given you everything that you need to succeed in life. It is not the end for you. It is the only beginning. And the presence of God wants to walk us through every ounce of that and let us know that we are fully accepted and fully, fully free. Amen. Now, I don't know who you are, who's struggling, who, if you're watching online, whoever you are. I, I, I encourage you to reach out to us somehow, some way. Let me know. Let my wife know. I don't care who it is. 
If you're in this room, if you're online, if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts and you're, you're believing the lie of the enemy telling you that it's over for you, I decree and declare right now by the name of the almighty God, Jesus Christ, that those thoughts are cast off your life, that that thing is broken over you and you need to reach out and listen, we want to walk with you and let you know that you are fully loved and God has a plan for your life. It's not over. Don't you give up right now. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you throw in the towel. Somebody say don't throw in the towel. Last thing is this. Man, this, these messages, I'm sorry they're going long. I'm sorry. I'm like one of my old preachers, though. Don't you get mad at me. Y'all, y'all so used to these new, these new style preachers that be preaching for 25 minutes. That ain't me, okay? I grew up in an old church. They used to preach for three hours. <laughs> they preached till you, till you shout and ran around the room. Come up in church, and I'd be like, I'm, I'm just so afforded. You've been out good more than 25 minutes. So worry about my time. You ain't even hearing the word of God. Anyways. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Somebody say, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, I love this right here because Jesus brought this up. And this is in Isaiah. What well, this is a reference to. And, and he talks about the, uh, the acceptable year of the Lord. And he talks about the year of Jubilee. Somebody said Jubilee. So this is in reference to this. Listen, I love this. Because the acceptable year of the Lord, or the favorable year of the Lord, um, was not a literal year, but it was a space of time that was characterized or that is characterized by God's grace, redemption, and deliverance. Listen to this. In Isaiah, the acceptable year of the Lord refers to God's restoration of his people from the Babylonian captivity. And Isaiah was basically likening or, 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 or putting some correlation between the year Jubilee and the acceptable year of the Lord, the favorable year of the Lord. So listen to this. What happened with the year Jubilee? The year Jubilee was, a one, was one calendar year where every debt was forgiven. Listen to this. Every debt was forgiven. Every slave was freed. Right? Every debt was forgiven. Every slave was freed. All the stuff, that, and, and, and the sin, all, the, all prisoners, all captives were set free. All the slaves were released. All debts were forgiven. All of the property, all property was returned to its original owner. This was the whole year, the year of Jubilee. All this happened. And then in addition to that, it was a whole year where all labor was to cease. And people who were bound by labor contracts were released from them. And one of the most rewarding benefits of the year Jubilee was this. Check this out. It was rest. Because literally nobody owed anybody anything. Everybody was set free. And nobody had to work. And Jesus said, I came to announce that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. What is he saying? I came to tell you it's time to rest. It's time 
for you to sit down because all your debts are, set, are, are, are forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. Oh, you are free. You owe no man nothing. You don't have to work for my guidance. You don't have to work for my approval. You are free. Jubilee represents a beautiful picture of the New Testament themes of redemption and forgiveness. Christ is our redeemer and he came to set us free because we are slaves and prisoners to sin and the debt of sin that we owe uh, uh, to God was paid on the cross by Jesus Christ. Every single sin issue of your life was taken care of when Jesus was nailed to a cross on our behalf. He released us from the debt of sin. Every single one of us, I don't care what your sin issue is, I don't care what you've done or what you might do, the cross has provided every ounce of salvation that we need. We're no longer slaves. We are uh, uh, slaves to sin. We're no longer in bondage. We have been freed by Christ, and we can truly—somebody say truly—enter the rest of God. Enter the rest that God provides, as we cease laboring to make ourselves acceptable to God by our own works. The presence of God. He says, I'm ending this by letting you know I'm here to do all this stuff. But the real truth is, I want you to know that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. The presence of God, a move of God, is always a reminder that we are accepted by the Lord. Amen. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world ushered in the acceptable year of the Lord. And the acceptable year of the Lord is the time of God's grace, redemption, and deliverance. Somebody say grace, grace. redemption, yes. and deliverance. Well, Fred, you a grace preacher. I am. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, Fred, you always preaching about redemption. I am. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Fred, you believe I can really be delivered? Yes, I do. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. But how can I be delivered? Not by your own works. Not by a 12-step program. Not by, you know, exorcism. None of that. Only by God himself. Only through the cross can you be free, truly free. But well, my issues ain't changed. My, my physical things hadn't changed. The stuff that I deal with outwardly hadn't changed. That's between you and God. He'll work on that. But here's what you really need to recognize is that you are fully loved and accepted by God. This is a foreign concept in the South, folks. In the South, we're like, uh-uh, I got to work for this. Got to get rid of all my worldly music. Anybody ever do that? Y'all don't remember that. Y'all didn't grow up in church like that. When you had a big old bonfire, you brought all your rap music. Y'all didn't do that. We used to do that in youth. We got a, we got a, 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 a spiritual burning tonight. We're going to burn it all up. And then I go rebuy it all. You know what that's called? Waste of money. Hello. Anyway. 
And Jesus ends with this. He says, and I'm landing this plane. I'm sorry it took so long, but I hope it was a good word. He says this. He says, so he, he hands it back. He gives them the scroll back. He sits down and he says, today. Somebody say today. Today. This has happened right in front of you. Today. Somebody say today. What, what do you mean? I mean the time is now. The time for a move of God in your life is now. The time for God to work in your life is today. Amen. She got it. The time for God to change your life is today. To the time for God to give you the peace that you need is today. The time for him to give you the joy and the courage and the strength that you need is Oh, you're going to remember this. You wake up this week and you're going through and you're feeling all this stuff in your brain. You're going to say, no, no, today is the day of salvation. Today, this is the day that the Lord, you see where the scripture's going? Today, right now, not later, not when I feel good, not when things work out on my behalf, not when everybody's on a good page and everybody's smiling and, 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 and things are going well and my kids ain't acting crazy. No, today, right now, in this moment, is the day of salvation. Somebody say today. Today is the year of acceptance. Today, you're being set free from the chains that bound you. Today, you're being set free from the anxiety and the, the mental bounds. Today. Today. Some of us need to stand up every single day and we need to declare that over our lives. We need to declare the word of the Lord to be true over our lives every single day. That today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. Today is the day, and I will rejoice no matter what I'm going through. I'm going to rejoice no matter what I'm facing. I'm going to rejoice. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to. I, listen, I don't know why this is so heavy on me, but I feel like preaching because some of us have let our day be strong, uh, our day be guided by what's going on around us, but you need to have a deep well of God's presence on the inside so you can recognize that no matter what's happening on the outside, this well of God's presence is the guiding principle of my life. And today is the day of the Lord. I will rejoice. I will stand firm on my faith. I will stand up strong and say that God is on my side. And if God is on my side, who can be against me? I don't care what I go through. I will stand and declare that today, today, amen? That's how you can stand up and declare, not today, Satan. <laughs> nope, nope. No, bro, I know you thought you thought you were gonna come on me, but not today. Why? Because today is the day of the Lord. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow will become today. And then you get my daughter laughs at we laugh at Kurt Franklin on his on the album. 
And he's all, because he'd be like, he said some stuff. And he's like, what was real true will not become true until it becomes true when it's true. And you're like, what? Just made me think about it when I said, what about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow becomes today. And when today, when tomorrow becomes today, then today you begin to announce that today is the day of the Lord. <laughs> That's a lot, right? She's like, what in the world? All I'm saying is that every day is today. There is no tomorrow when it's God. It's today. Boy, that's some deep words right there. Somebody put that on a book. The time is today. The time is now. Amen? Well, Fred, you named this series Wild Again. I mean, this, this message Wild Again. Why? Because the word wild, to make something wild again, to rewild something, means you restore it to its original purpose. Restore it to its original purpose. And let me tell you something. We need to rewild or make wild again the presence of God in our lives. Amen? Can you stand with me and pray? Thank you, Lord. For those that are watching, those that are in the sound of my voice, I pray to you. I just pray, God, that we would be wild again. That we would remove the barriers and unleash that deep well of your presence in our lives, God. That we recognize that every single day is a day where you can move in our lives that you are working on our behalf, that you are for us. God, and I pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray for freedom and strength and courage. God, whether it be physical bounding or mental bounding, whatever it may be, every struggle, God, I pray that your presence will reign and, uh, and rest and, and be supreme in their life. Not only that, God, those that, that are brokenhearted, where we're shattered and we're broken into pieces, I pray that you will mend us again and bring us back and make us whole again. I pray, God, today, God, that if we're struggling with anything, suicidal thoughts, whatever it may be, anxiety, give us peace, give us strength, give us faith, God, to trust you, to trust your word, to lean into you, and to invite your presence to come in our lives, God. And we thank you, God, that to this year, that this day, today, we are now in a time and a season of the favor of God. We are in a season of the acceptable year of the Lord. And I thank you, God, that right now, through our life, what will flow in our life is grace, redemption, and deliverance. God, that we would see and experience your grace, your redemption, and your deliverance. And we would enter the rest that you have for us, God. That we would lay aside our works and stop trying to, to, to please you through our own works and own things that we want to do, we would just rest in your presence, knowing that you've done the work, that the cross, that it's all paid for, that it was all nailed, God, that every sin, every issue, every sin issue of our life, past, present, or future was nailed to the cross and was, was forgiven on the cross, God, and we thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for how you're blessing us, and, and I thank you that you would you would increase our influence. Let us experience you like never before, but let us carry it to a world that's broken and let them see your grace on our life 
and be intrigued to know you more. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.